Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence. Through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Larkast, my name's Tony, and with me is Russ. Hello, Russ. What is up, my man? How you doing today? Good. I'm doing good, man. Nice, man. You know, I found out recently, and we did not I did not find this out um from you, but I found out from uh, Krista, just going back and forth with her, you know, on Instagram, as I do with my friends, that you and I had the same uh, summer album this year. Yeah. That new Post Malone, which is which is interesting for me because I'm usually not like a pop, you know, guy. I get into it a little bit more just by way of um, my kids. Well, Anna in particular, my 14-year-old. But every once in a while, I'll allow myself to get into a pop album. And and Austin, the album, definitely was mine this year. And it was yours as well. That was your jam, man. It was. Yeah. I, uh, like, like you, I don't uh, really listen to pop music. I couldn't tell you who anybody was. Um, and truth be told, it's it's my wife who's addicted to Post Malone now. She um, never listened to his music before, but this new album comes out, and it's like the same album is playing in my house every day. I mean, like every <laughs> single day. And it's the whole album, and then it starts over. And I have an office at the back of our house, so I'm like, man, what is going on? With this like same thing on repeat and i find out it's this new post malone album and it's different than other albums that he's done and it's got this like cool like kind of 80s vibe to it i feel yeah. like i don't like all the songs but there's like a chunk of them in there that i'm like i really dig this oh there's some bangers on there yeah man and uh so yeah we have a kind of a joke from the house here we're like i'm like eli it's it's noon he's like i know and it's we haven't listened to the Post Malone album four times yet, Dad. I feel like we're, <laughs> feel like we're, oh <laughs> man! But um, yeah, yeah, it's been it's been fun, man. Some of those some of those songs. I uh, we you you hear it all over the commercials, so it's definitely you know like in in rotation, um, commercially. But um, I really like the first song. You know, you can definitely tell he's more tapping into that, more of a country, you know, kind of vibe there. And what's funny is like the knock on him culturally is that he used um, rap to become popular and then he kind of like switched. Mm. And so he's getting he's getting blamed. He's getting canceled what cultural appropriation and i found this out from (laughs) yes dude yes 
which is funny you because you can, tell, up. you can tell like the people who are saying that only listen to the first song because from there he pretty much is in the same vein of the poppy you know pop rap um stuff that he's been been doing and i'm like did these people not listen to the rest of this album like Parker, this dude that works in my office, we're like, this is this is this is basically like what he's been doing, like yeah. the rest of this album. It's just that first song has that, you know, Different that sound to it. Yeah. And so it's just to me, it's just like it's just so funny. Um silly, mm. really, is what it is. Yeah. It's a... Uh... In doing study on just the human psyche and human culture, especially over the last five, six years, they say that at its core, um, the whole cancel culture thing comes down to whether it's going in any direction, because just to be clear, right, you find it everywhere. Some people were like, they, you know, they attribute it to like a, a certain political party or only, you know, certain types of people or certain income brackets. And it's just not true. It's it's everywhere and it can be aimed at anything. But at its core is um, it's ultimately a power play. If you want to feel power, a.k.a. control, whether it's in something as small as in a relationship with one person to as broad as a political movement. If you want to have power, then you need a problem. It really just comes down to that. So anytime you can problematize something. Love that word. You, yeah, you can sort of, that's where you can infiltrate your position and begin to create the us-them dichotomy. And if you can attach some type of a moral breakdown to the other party, hmm. especially like if, you know, in a in in the new moral you know in the new morales of today you can you can ultimately begin to gain power in that scene mm -hmm. so that's what cancel culture comes down to ultimately just a power play and we've seen that play out yes in ways that go beyond post malone or you know what you watch on the news all the way down to feeling it personally because our audience doesn't know this maybe other than maybe just a handful of people but uh we got canceled we did like lark, lark got lark got canceled got canceled dude <laughs> and that's what we're getting into today we're we're doing we a little are. storytelling today mm-hmm letting everyone in on something that's kind of been happening behind the scenes for a hot minute. And it's going to be, we're telling this story today for um, not to get back at anyone, not to be vindictive, no, but to encourage, because we know that if you're listening to the large cast, chances are there's something in this story that's going to, relate to you and connect yeah. with you. Yeah, I have found um, 
storytelling as an art is is a lost art i feel like in a lot of ways which is sad because it's in the telling of our stories like our actual stories the true stories about us wherever those stories are welcomed not just tolerated uh, when you can tell them without fear or fault finding i guess you could say uh healing takes place and as people begin to participate in that, healing starts to actually happen around, right? And among everybody, that's that's within that conversation. Dr. Thompson's got some really killer research on that. And of course, you can find that at play and how it works. And then it's like right there in the scriptures, we see this beautiful storytelling, this gospel news that there's no need to hide anymore. So for me, that was, we've been hanging on to this man for about six months now. And there's some hurt and there's pain mm. and there's doubt and there's frustration. There's anger, you know, it all gets mixed in there. And I just thought, you know what? There's a broader audience out here, man, that deals with these similar things. And maybe it'd be good for us to just hop on here and tell the story. Yeah. And just say to people like, Hey, here's what's happening within the world of Lark and glad you're here. But more importantly, um, you're not alone if this is you. Yeah. So let's get into it, man. Yeah. And we're not alone, which I think is easy to for, forget. It's easy to, to forget. Yeah. Yeah. So the story is this. Um, I won't belabor it. We've been a part of Various, we've done work with various churches. People, you know, if you're listening to Larkast and you're new, um, I used to pastor and plant churches in Asheville, North Carolina, and later in the city of Chicago prior to stepping into what is now Lark, starting this. Tony uh, also was a part of pastor planting churches in Northwest Indiana, right, right outside of Chicago. That's our background. And part of my background in planting was I had different denominations that wanted to work with me. They're like, hey, man, you seem to be tapping into seeing new church families form among the outside and uninterested. And that's our target audience. And that's the fastest growing movement of people actually in America, by the way, is the the nuns, the outside, the uninterested. And uh, we'd love to get in your corner, right? We'd love to do some work with you on this. And so... I began working with a, an organization called the Missionary Church Denomination, also goes by the name Generate, and made some friends there 17 years ago, dude. Mm -hmm. Thought about that last night, 17 years ago. And it's a long time. Yeah, there's a guy named Bob. We'll just we'll just call him Bob. Anybody who knows that world knows who Bob is, but Bob would be a gem in that world. Bob yeah. was a dear, dear, dear friend. Um, a guy who walks into a room and looks like a retired dentist. <laughs> and, um, you know, not the guy that you would think would be so involved in so many different movements of good news, but um, really just always got in my corner and said, man, how can I help you? And I said, look, man, there's some admin support I could use, some organizational stuff, some funding that we could really use to try to get good news out the podcast out, writings out, traveling. And he's like, I'm in. And so anyhow, that's been part of our story. And I know you got connected there as well. 
with ordination status with these guys. I met you in 2014 and started getting introduced to them. Um, like right around, you know, that time at first I was pretty leery because I was leaving. I thought I was leaving like, you know, the institution being on staff at a church, um, like a mega church, multi-campus, you know, kind of a situation. And I was like, yeah, dude, like, let's do this, you know, Lark thing at the time it was table network. And we, you know, rebranded to be Lark in 2020. Um, and I was like, yeah, this is cool. And you're like, yeah, man, like, you know, he started talking about this, you know, missionary church denomination that was, you know, backing us <laughs> and we talked about, you know, getting credential with them. And I was like, Whoa, dude, I was like, what, you know? Yeah. And you're like, no, nah, dude, like these guys like have our back. Um, they get what we're doing. They're supporting us. And honestly it, it was that for, for a good long while. Yeah. Yeah, it was, um, you know, Jameson as well. And other, even other people within Lark, man, that we were able to, they were able to help provide some, uh, funding channels, you know, toward what we do, some credential mm-hmm. ordination status, you know, for us in regards to things that, you know, ministry wise in the U S legalities that they were able to provide. And it was a really good partnership for a good long while, man. And, uh, we were different, but that was always welcomed. Mm-hmm. That was one thing I loved about Bob. It's like, as long as it was about the spread of good news and people finding life in Jesus and then those people helping others find life, he's like, I'm in. Mm-hmm. It was that simple. And, uh, but, you know, as we continue to do ministry, man, um, there's basically like a, I guess, a movement of the more fundamental crowd within that world. Um, pretty pretty fundamental like in all regards i mean you're talking about the kind of dudes that dress like state farm agents on their day off you know just so they can maintain the i'm a pastor look it's a lot of golf polos and khakis basically (laughs) you know is what it is yeah we're not picking on dress just to be clear i think as much as we're saying like well for me it's more like hey dude um it's saturday (laughs) you're at a cookout and um, so there's this sort of fundamental group, man, within that, that has just always hated what we were saying and what we were doing. Yeah. And I think what it just came down to is the more we continue to tap into a world that's outside and uninterested in what has become church, and we don't blame them for this, they uh, people are finding freedom, man. They start passing on good news. They start passing on to their friends what they're learning about Jesus and more and more people start to find the freedom to go step into this way of friendship that mm-hmm. we find in Jesus. And that way of life, that way of faith, that way of discipleship is outside of this institution that was created in the name of church. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it eventually affects the bottom line, man. Yeah. It eventually affects the bottom line. And and what I mean by that is money. Money and power kind of go hand in hand. And you have to have them if the institution that you're a part of and running is self-preserving in nature, mm-hmm. which is what institutions are. Mm-hmm. And so back in March, I was teaching a message at the sanctuary over across the state. And in this message, I um, 
I was unpacking something that we have got right and reclaim chapter one, something we've been teaching and writing and talking about for freaking like eight years, nine years. Some of the so, stuff that we were teaching at conferences and workshops and things yes. that they supported in and among their crowd. Yeah. So this hasn't gone anywhere. <clears throat> and, and in this teaching, um, Apparently somebody from the fundamental ranks recorded it illegally because it's copyrighted information, but they didn't care, I guess. So they downloaded it and then they went, <clears throat> instead of contacting me as the scriptures would teach, we're like, if you have a, you know, an issue with your brother, I think, it, I think it was Jesus who said, you know, you should probably just go to him, you know, just go to him. Yeah. But instead of doing that, they proceeded to spread this message throughout their ranks and call for uh call for my head he's a heretic um we've got to we've got to get rid of this guy and so you've kind of got bob in the mix who's going what are you guys talking about russ is not a heretic and he's been teaching this <clears throat> for years and he can show you right in the scriptures what he's saying and the guy quoted passages throughout what he was saying so you know what's the pushback and they uh basically just took that thing all the way to the, the top of the pyramid there, man, behind closed doors. And like, man, you either cancel this dude or we're all leaving and taking our money with us. Mm. And then I come to find out that there's people at the top of the pyramid who are like, okay, okay, I guess this is what we need to do. And then I get to go through this rigmarole with other leaders within you know my region and the denomination. And you've got guys who are like, man, I'm with you, brother. I know. You're not a heretic, man. We just need to meet and kind of clear up some things here. And eventually, uh, I guess the pressure, man, the fear, the loss of money, title, something, something played into it, man. But these guys all just jumped on board and within a very short window, dude, it was, you're done. Yeah. Well, it was a, it was a kangaroo court. It was something I'm not. Cause this, this is, can sound bad, but when you've already made up your mind that someone needs to go and the reasons are already decided predetermined and you have a, a, a crowd that has a lot of leverage within an institution, once you've gone, mm -hmm. they're just going to do, they're, they're going to just go through, um, the motion and call it due process just so that they don't look like idiots. Yeah. And there was never, there was never a, a desire to, to understand. Yeah. Yeah. At first it was almost kind of like, man, this, this approach to ministry is just something we need to kind of cancel, but they were still interested in, you know, us being a part connected in a broader sense. But then I guess there was one guy in the midst who raised his hand in one of their meetings with, hey, we're trying to cut them out for this one reason, but we don't have biblical grounds for removing like their credentials, their ordination status with us. So what did they what did he actually do wrong? And instead of embracing that, like, well, damn, maybe maybe he didn't do anything illegal and unethical or immoral. Um, crap, instead of like seeing that and leaning in, they were like scrambling <laughs> to find something they could use 
to cancel yeah. us like all together as in like booted out of the club and uh that's when i was like oh shit dude look at here man mm -hmm. look at this power play and uh you got well, i guess and everybody sort of you know starts to play a role in that and i felt bad for bob who's always been in our corner because he seems to be the guy who's trying to bring people together for the spread of good news and now he's just kind of finding himself kind of hogtied but that's just me speculating uh to be clear but it just came down to we got canceled bro and uh and because you lead this with me as well as uh jameson the sites were quickly turned to, well, what, what are, what are Jameson and, and Tony believing and teaching? And so then they started going through podcast. And then I guess some of those dudes picked up a book that we've had out for like eight years where we've been <laughs> saying this. And uh, eventually, man, it, the gauntlet came down, man, on all of us. Mm -hmm. So support, uh, some of the admin support, ordination support friendships man it all done yeah it's like people that you could just you know you consider them friends mm -hmm. you know people that would be you could be quick to text them you know felt loved and supported by them you yeah. like quickly got caught up in the the politics of it and distanced themselves and I think even though I've known this crew for, you know, a while, I think you, you know, even more so. And I know that, um, that it stung and hurt you, you know, more than anything that I, I felt. And so I think going through it, you know, I think you, you took the the brunt of it you know, and mm. just in terms of the relational fallout, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's, um, it is bothersome. Probably vacillate, man, between the, the anger, right. And the hurt. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I experienced something, you know, pretty similar moving away from, you know, this church I was a part of since second grade, you know, kind of came alive in Jesus when I was 20. I was kind of like the black sheep came on staff. Yeah. You're like this darling of the church, so to speak. And then all of a sudden you just kind of started kind of like questioning, you know, things and starting to see, you know, spirituality in the West. And I was just getting honest about how I spend my time. And I'm like, you know, from you know, early on in my, in my journey, I always had a heart for those who just were in the back row. Someone's only, you know, at a church service because they're trying to appease their mom or their girlfriend or boyfriend or like whatever, or people who would just never walk through the doors of a church at all. And I'm like, dude, I'm spending all my time preparing for a thing that the people who I really care about are never going to come to. And my livelihood is attached to that. Yeah. And so I've, I'd felt pains like that in the past, but never, 
never more intensely than right around the time that I met you. And I had to make a hard decision. We were pretty much entrenched in the church world. Um, not only, you know, by what you believe, but, you know, culturally, so all the friendships and everything. And it's like, man, if, if I really care for these people, I need to find a new way of spending my time and I need to find a new way of supporting my family. Yeah. And when that was communicated, it was not, it was not understood. It was not understood. And I was not, um, cared for. It just pretty much became, you know, like a corporate exchange of someone just kind of, you know, saying, Hey, I don't want to work here anymore. And you were just systematically just, you know, sent on, on your way. And so, but I still live in the same community that I pastored in. And so it's just wild because people can't help, but talk, you know, and mm -hmm. create stories around things. And, you know, the, the real, the real truth of, you know, why I was leaving in the first place got misconstrued. And so where it was like, normally when you would see someone out in public, it was like, oh man, like, you know, Hey, pastor Tony, you know, everyone's all eager to see you and say, Hey, and all that. And then all of a sudden just a few people get talking and um, yeah, eventually you're just labeled and um, forgotten. Yeah. Mm. That's probably the clearest way I've ever heard it put. Labeled and that's, and and that's forgotten. it. And at the yeah. end of the day, like when, you know, you talk about like money and metrics and those kinds of things. Um, yeah, they're just going to get, you're just going to get thrown onto the heap of bodies outside of it that don't benefit the institution. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. I've got brothers, man, within the ranks of that organization that I was referring to earlier that all that went down, dude, and have not heard one peep in six mm -hmm. months. I was talking to a counselor about this, and uh, they referenced it like death. Hmm. They said you have to almost kind of embrace this idea that what you're going through is like, it's like death. Like like hmm. someone, these people that you cared about died. Hmm. They're gone. The relationship, the friendship, like even you reaching out to them, them not calling back, like it's, it's like, it's like they died. And I was like, oh, I just I never like thought about it that way, man. Mm -hmm. And so you know, this is, you know, this isn't like new news, you know, to be clear, right? I mean, we've got local churches to the broader workings of denominations that have been doing this for 1700 years, man. <laughs> you know, it's like you take something as beautiful as the church's identity, it being a name given to, to anyone and everyone, all the failures and fakes in the world, man, 
who are just saying yes to Jesus and learning to trust him. Hmm. You are the church. You are a random sampling of the broken world that's learning to trust in God's boundless love. Mm -hmm. That is the church right where you are. And you take something as beautiful as that, and it's something as freeing as that. And the minute you begin to say, no, man, we've got to create structures and hierarchies because we've got this thing that we have to build. And therefore we have this thing that we have to protect. And it just all goes downhill from there. It always has. So we're not, you know, this isn't uh, something new, I guess is what I'm saying. However, still just as hurtful. Yeah. And it's still and, just as sad. Yeah. And I think we could be honest about that. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who are listening who have experienced, um, you know, something similar. The institution really doesn't know how to care for you if you don't benefit them and yeah. you know you you quickly if it was if it was presented to you like that when you first got into ministry that like hey listen if you step into this world you are going to constantly have to only care about the people that are here and benefit this place yeah and benefit this mission and so because it's so intense, um, the amount of people who are coming, I don't care if you have a church of a hundred or a thousand, or if you have a denomination of, you know, a hundred churches or 2000 churches, you really, your love becomes conditional and narrowly yeah. focused. Yeah. It's just, you just, you have to do it. You have no time to especially as a leader who's who's trying to be a good leader like how all the leadership books and podcasts and you know here's how to maximize yourself here's how to really like build an organization here's really how to you know be fruitful all of it is just finding people who are faithful available and teachable and who will give their time talents and treasures mm. to benefit the bottom line and i think that there's something very unique about being a friend in this world with no strings attached um, to where expectations get thrown out the window to where love and friendship is, a, is, is the long game and you stick around um, regardless of outcomes. Yeah. Regardless of whether or not someone behaves in a certain way or hit certain marks, you know, on their way up to being a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ or, you know, a good denominational member or, or something like that. It's love is very short in those worlds because there's a massive string attached. And so there is something about the way we've discovered the grace of God, the love of God, and the freedom in the life of those who grab onto this that allows us to be those kinds of friends. Yeah. And that's what I want to give my life to. Yes, 
hundred percent. That was, that was me. That was me in Chicago. The church was doing well, growing, multiplying, hitting all those metrics. But all the while I'm going, dude, I've got a heart for all these neighbors. My house is full of them, but none of them have any desire in going to this machine that we're growing down the road here. Right. And I'm over here preaching this good news and I'm teaching people about how Jesus went about his ministry when he walked the earth of discipling people through friendships with no strings attached. Mm -hmm. And yet I don't have the time to do this. Right. And I had a handful of people around me who were like, like-minded in you that were seeing this and had a heart for this and they had no time for it. So it's kind of funny when you think about it, like this whole ministry was started out of a desire to just get back to the simplicity of that very way of Jesus among people mm -hmm. and the, the beauty and the value of that. And you basically go upstream from there. You know what I'm saying? Upstream. Yeah, you move upstream in the sense of like you're you're downstream here and you're you know, let's say you're fishing downstream and then you realize like where all this is coming about and what if you really want to to meet this thing where it's happening, you got to go upstream. Hmm. And so I began moving upstream and finding all just really rediscovering hmm. what what God is really like through what Jesus really said and really did. And it was the moving upstream that allowed me to see like, holy cow, it's, it's 90% what we believe and about 10% what we're actually doing. And you start to see this, this beautiful value of grabbing onto the rethinking, the repenting, you could say, mm -hmm. of all these false ideas of God, of life, of what faith actually is, of what discipleship and church is, and just really started grabbing onto that, which set me free to go live into this. Mm-hmm. And then all I was doing is just helping other people who had a heart to spend their time with the neighbors with no strings attached, grab mm -hmm. on to this actual good news. Mm -hmm. So they were free to go live into this. Mm -hmm. And then I found that that's actually where the breakdown happened with this, why we got canceled. It, the first inclination of what they were bothered by was how we were going about this and how we were freeing people up for it. But what we got canceled for is what we were teaching about what Jesus is really like and what God really did. That sets people free for this way of life. Yeah. That's where it's like, whoa. And so ultimately, I guess what I'm saying is our heart for people eventually makes a, a serious rub against the improvement theology that you find. The religion that you find throughout the world. Yeah. Because the improvement theology, the idea that God, that, that progress is needed and possible. Promise. Okay. Yeah. So like that idea, it, that improvement theology. Okay. When that is your view of God and life and who we need to become, that turns the church into an improvement center. Mm-hmm. And that's why we, and then from there is where we create all the structures and the hierarchies. That's where all the politics comes in. That's where all the metrics come in, all of it. And so it's like Lark was so centered on, yes, we want to go live into this simple way of friendship, but we know that ultimately 
It's what we're believing about God that has to shift. That's ever going to allow us to go live into that way of freedom mm-hmm. to ever go be the friend that you're talking about with no strings attached. Mm-hmm. And so you have to tackle the improvement theology, man, and grab onto the replacement theology, which we talk a lot about in reclaim. Can't get into it all here, but, but that, that that's the rub, man. And it will always be the rub. And I think it was Jesus who was pretty explicit. Like they hated me. They're going to hate you. Yeah. I think um, one of my discoveries in the John series is that when, when Jesus uses the word world, um, I always thought of like, Oh, this word world is strictly referring to people who are outside the church. Hmm. But in John's gospel, Jesus constantly refers to the world, the way it thinks, um, the way it cancels, the way it hates the world, the world. He was talking about the Pharisees, man. Yes. And you come to find out world is not, you know, necessarily strictly this like, you know, pagan, unchristian, you know, um, camp. Mm-hmm. But really this idea that spreads among those who long to be in control, are in control, money, power, politics, you know, all those kinds of things. And it has a variety of faces. It has a religious face. It has religious faces. Um, and he calls it like the thinking of the world, the way of the world. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, we didn't, mm-hmm. we didn't fit the bill. No, no. When you're, we got, we got canceled and we got, we got booted. Yeah. And it's so funny, man. Cause I'm like, I'm talking with these guys about this and we're working through it. And at first you kind of watch the same knee jerk reactions. You know, it kind of reminded me of that uh, rise and fall of Mars Hill podcast. That was so popular. Hmm. Right. So there's the, the, the focus is immediately on like, why, why Russ? why guys and everybody's like gathered around the table all right let's talk about why there's a fly in the meth lab and then there's all these conversations about leadership and structure and the need for these things and what counts as church and what doesn't you know what i mean and it's all centered around trying to figure out how a fly got into the meth lab and all the policies and procedures that we can put in place to prevent the fly from getting into the meth lab And is there a way to bridge this for you guys to change what you're doing and your approach so that you can get on board with more of this plan that we have to prevent flies from getting in the meth lab? And I'm kind of the guy in the room who's going, hey, has anybody ever wondered why there's a meth lab here? That's what Lark's, that's that's what we're doing here. Has anyone stopped? to wonder why we've created people so dependent upon us that they've never ever left to go explore the beautiful invitation that's given to us in the scriptures to be in the world. Yeah. 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 If, if somebody came to your town and was advertising a class a seminar 
on how to help your grown children get out of their base, get out of your basement and go live their lives. And then you found out that the person who was leading this seminar has a house full of their grown children living in their basement. You would be questioning the validity of that conference. And if maybe you should be listening to what this guy's saying. Yeah. And meanwhile, looking at the church world, I'm like, we're priding ourselves on our ability to, to keep people forever. So-and-so has been so faithful, man, just been a leader here, you know, a member here for 50 years. And I'm going, I thought maturity was their ability to leave here and go live their life loving on and discipling the people in and around them in good news. The metrics backwards. Mm -hmm. Like we've got a, we've got like a, like it's a, it's, it's like, it's a, it's an, a, it's a supervised injection site, man. Like, you know what I mean, like we've got, like we're feeding an, a, a religious addiction and then priding ourselves on our ability to keep people addicted. Yeah. And what's wild to me is like, as I brush up against it and the mindset, because, you know, we've, we've interacted, we've met a lot of people, still have some friendships and they're always like inviting us, you know, back in, you know, mm -hmm. man, you got to come back to the church. You know, or like we've seen people like, um, you know, drift back, you know, into like Sundays and the programs and, and stuff like that. They're like, yeah, man, we were just like really missing God's presence, you know? Oh, and that's so sad. Subtly without, without saying it, but when you, when you say it, this, when you say it, this bluntly, you see the air in it. It's really what they're saying is that God dwells in places made of human hands. Yes. It's what they're saying. Yeah. The whole idea that you ever thought that there was a second of your life that you were outside of God's presence. Okay. That whole, that whole mentality, that's what leads to the improvement theology. Mm -hmm. That's what turns the church from a movement of everyday people passing on good news into improvement centers mm -hmm. that you need to be a part of. Mm -hmm. that's perpetuating a false understanding of God and his presence in and among people. Yep. And man, you just watch it like a, like almost like a hamster wheel. You know what I mean? Sometimes I feel like, cause somebody you know, just this past week, somebody said, man, I know you guys are all about the spread of good news. Lark exists to help people see and keep seeing Jesus for who he really is, man. So they can really learn to live free to go live into the way of friendship, to pass on good news, to see other people come alive. Yes, yes, yes. Amen. So why do you guys take the time to equip and empower a different understanding of church? And why not just keep it centered on just, you know what I mean? The discipleship in the good news. And I'm like, it's for what you just brought up, Tony. Because people start to grab onto and, who, and live into this. And then they get hit with the people around them who carry a false understanding of God and church, calling them back into this machine. Mm -hmm. It's almost like churches work like mainstream news channels. You feel ill-informed. You feel ill-informed if you, if you don't plug in, but then you're misinformed if you do. And you just go right back into this hamster wheel. And I'm like, guys, we're not harping on this because we're angry about it. Mm -hmm. We're, we're, 
we're teaching on this so that people can find the freedom, man, to go live into this so that when they get canceled the way we do, they can look into the face of Jesus who loves them and is present in and among them. They can know that they're loved, they're whole, they're home, they're already free. God's presence is fully with them wherever they are. And they can start to find some joy, man, and just stepping out into the real world and being a friend who helps others live free. Because mm -hmm. yep, we're going to get, get canceled from the religious crowd when you do this. Yes. There's, yep. there's no way around it. There's no way around it. And so let me just say thank you to our audience for indulging us in our counseling public session. Um, counseling is in counseling probably one another here. <laughs> yeah. Hearing us share uh, some hurts and frustrations, but just know this is this is the way of religion. It always has been and always will be. The good news is it doesn't have to be our story. Mm. It doesn't have to be the story that defines us. We get to walk forward with freedom and a skip in our step and just keep right on rocking and rolling. Yeah, now, we did take a hit. We did lose a lot of financial support. And so I just want to say a big shout out to all those who have been given to the, the movement of Lark and empowering the spread of good news to see more people find and live in the freedom. Thank you. Seriously, thank you. Yes. And thank invite you. new people to come jump in. Go to larksite.com and uh join us. We've got uh we got a lot of good news to get out, man. Mm -hmm. If anybody thought this was gonna set us a step back, I think they're they're gonna be a little surprised. If it's done anything, it's just motivated us for a heart for more. Mm-hmm. Amen, man. Amen. And uh, if you're wondering where we're going next, um, in the vein of trying to encourage this life of freedom, we're going to be diving into the book of Galatians starting next week. I know a lot of you have been asking about that. Um, seems like it was kind of always inevitable to head this direction. Um, we got so much out of going through the gospel of John. And if there's any, if there's any book, um, in the, in the new Testament that I think speaks directly to our experience, um, in 2023, um, you know, as, as believers who are trying to say yes to Jesus and coming out of, um, institutional temple understandings, theologies with a bunch of people on your back, trying to enslave you again and pull you back in um it's probably the book of galatians hmm. amen man amen so until then it's until coming until then cheers